0: Hey, friends, my name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. We're working to build a community position to experience God in daily life. Our weekly teaching is one piece of that work. So as you listen to this week's message, my prayer is that you would hear God inviting you to respond to His love and His desire for you. For more information, you can visit ridgeline.church. You know, as I thought about how to introduce this message, I wanted to ask you all to think about a a time or a place that you have been that absolutely did not live up to the hype. Maybe it was a place that you had heard about, You had read about a place that had been recommended by someone, and then you go with just great anticipation, and you get there, and you're like, uh, is that all there is? (laughs) Like, wow, what am I missing? My... Family and I had this experience several years ago uh, when our daughter, Catherine, was younger. We made a trip to the northeastern part of the United States. And this was sort of an educational kind of a trip for Catherine. So one of our stops was in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Now, if you don't remember exactly what Plymouth is all about, Plymouth is a a town just south of Boston, and it is the site of the first Pilgrim settlement. So at Plymouth is a full-size replica of the Mayflower, which was the ship that the Pilgrims came over on. And also at Plymouth is... Plymouth Rock, which is said to be the exact spot that the Pilgrims landed in the year 1620. So we drive our rental car, we park in the parking place, we get out, and immediately it was clear to us where the ship was, where the Mayflower was, because it is a full-size replica that sits on the shore there in Plymouth. So no problem, we saw the Mayflower. Then we start looking for Plymouth Rock, and we are looking for like a big boulder, you know, like a room size. I see some of you shaking your head. We're looking for like a room size boulder that sits on the shore. I mean, you know, to us, this is going to be obvious where Plymouth Rock is, and we couldn't find it. And we're looking all over, and we're like, where is Plymouth Rock? and suddenly we saw it. And I want to show you a picture of what Plymouth Rock looks like. Yeah. Yep. That's it, guys. It is, it is about this size stone that's just kind of in the middle of the sand, and that is what you studied about in school. <laughs> that is Plymouth Rock. Honestly, to say that Nola and Catherine and I were disappointed, that that is an understatement. (laughs) We were really disappointed and underwhelmed. And honestly, years later, we still talk about the disappointment that we felt when we saw Plymouth Rock. So as Ryan said, and as you see there on the slide, we're going to talk about heaven today. And the first statement that I want to make to you about heaven is this. You are not going to be disappointed. You will not be disappointed in heaven. Heaven will live up to its hype. In fact, heaven will be much, much, much more than you and I can begin to envision or imagine. You know, in the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, the writer says this about the life that is to come, about heaven. What no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived, God has prepared for those who love him. I feel like there are many myths and misunderstandings about heaven. And so I want us to go to the scripture. I want us to go to God's word and find out what he himself says about heaven. So we're going to be in Revelation chapter 21 today. And if you have a, a copy of the Bible, paper copy with you or have it, on your phone, I invite you to pull that up. We're gonna be reading select verses from Revelation chapter 21. And what we're gonna see, we're gonna see four things about heaven today. We're gonna see that heaven is a prepared place, heaven is a perfect place, heaven is a physical place, and heaven is a populated place. So, we're going to start reading verse 1 of Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. So, heaven is a prepared place. The scripture says that it is prepared by a God that loves us. The scripture says that heaven is prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Have you guys ever been involved in planning a wedding? Either that of your own or someone else? Let me tell you, (laughs) there is a lot of preparation that goes into planning a wedding. The gown... The shoes, the hair, the makeup, the guest list, the venue, the order of the service, the food at the reception. It goes on and on and on and on and on. And I think, you know, if we humans go to so much trouble and so many preparations for an earthly wedding, can you imagine The preparation that God is doing for us in heaven. Remember, we're talking about the God who has no restraints or constraints, the God who has no budget, the God who is infinite and has an infinite supply of every resource. The God who loves you with an everlasting love. He, that God, is preparing an eternal home for those who love Jesus. So heaven is a prepared place. And not only that, heaven is a perfect place. In verse 1, John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Heaven is a new place prepared perfectly by God for his people. Heaven is not a renovation. It's not a fixer upper. It's not a flip. (laughs) Heaven is brand new. Now, why is that important? It's important because old places have scuffs and scars and blemishes and flaws that sometimes even the best remodel cannot cover up, right? Nolan and I live in a condo. We live in a remodeled condo. We bought this condo, we completely gutted it, and then we remodeled it with all the finishes that we like. But you know what? Even though our condo looks brand new, there are still flaws in that condo that predate our ownership. The concrete floor is not perfectly level. The air conditioner doesn't always work like it should. The windows don't have a seal as tight as a new window would. Our current home is a remodel and it has some flaws in it. But heaven will have no flaws it will be perfect everything will be brand new heaven is a perfect place because it's new and also because it is God's dwelling place look at verse 3 John who's the author of this book says then I heard a loud voice from the throne look God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his people's, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. Heaven is a perfect place because God and his people will live together for eternity. You know, ever since mankind's separation from God, in the Garden of Eden because of the sin of Adam and Eve, God's ultimate plan, his grand plan, his redemptive plan has to one day live again with his people. And so that will take place in heaven. God will be present. And those in heaven will walk with God, will talk with God, will laugh with God, will fellowship with God, and will physically dwell with God. Heaven is a perfect place because God will dwell with his people. And additionally, heaven is a perfect place because the things that currently cause us grief and pain and tears will be no more. Verse 4, he, God, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Friends, in heaven there will be no hospitals or hospice. There will be no broken homes or broken hearts or broken promises or broken dreams. In heaven, there will be no anxiety or abuse. There will be no bullying or bulimia, no cancer or corruption, no divorce or dementia. In heaven, there will be no financial failure, no family dysfunction. In heaven, there will be no fires, no famines, no floods, no helplessness or hopelessness no hurt feelings or hard feelings, no mistakes or miscarriages or misunderstandings. In heaven, there will be no physical limitations, no lameness, no blindness, no deafness. There will be no pedophiles, no political strife, no racism, no sexism, no regrets or no remorse in heaven. I want you to right now think about the thing in your life that is causing you pain, causing you grief. And then I want to say to you, that thing will be absent in heaven. Heaven is perfect because those things that cause us grief and pain and sorrow and tears will be absent. Now, I don't know about you, but man, that gives me some encouragement and some hope. Heaven is a peaceful, perfect place. And in addition to heaven being, first of all, a prepared place and a perfect place, heaven is also a physical place. I'm going to look at verse 10. He Then, this is the angel that's showing John this vision. He then carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And then verse 15, the one who spoke with me had a golden measuring rod to measure the city, its gates and its wall. The city is laid out in a square. Its length and width are the same. He measured the city with the rod at 12,000 stadia. Its length, width, and height are equal. Now that's a lot of information, but let me summarize and kind of boil it down to you. Give you a few points about the physical aspect of heaven. You know, I feel like often heaven is misconstrued as this intangible place, this place that's, you know, I don't know, somewhere up here beyond the clouds. But that is not how Scripture describes heaven. Some people describe heaven as like a dream or a vision or a fantasy. But again, that is not how Scripture defines heaven. The Bible defines and describes heaven as a literal place. A literal place that has dimensions. The dimensions here are 12,000 stadia. Now, I do want to acknowledge and some believe, and I don't know which is correct, but some believe that this are not literal dimensions, that this is just figurative. But, If you go to verse 17, verse 17 tells us that this was measured according to human measurement. So if we assume that these are literal measurements, the area described here as 12,000 stadia is the equivalent of 2 million square miles... Or 280,000 acres. That's a pretty big property, isn't it? Also, you may remember that this text tells us that heaven is not just a square, it's a cube because it says its length, width, and height are equal. So let's just assume for a minute that each level or each height story is 12 feet tall, then that would mean that this area is over 600,000 stories tall. Nolan and I live in downtown Salt Lake City. There are a lot of big skyscrapers downtown. There is nothing this tall. (laughs) Heaven is a huge place And what that tells me is that there is plenty of room there for all who believe in Jesus. There will be no overcrowding, no shortage of housing. The physicality of heaven is also described as a place with a massive wall, and that's in verse 12. The city had a massive high wall with 12 gates in verse 17. Then he measured its wall, 144 cubits. That's about 216 feet, according to human measurement. Now I've asked myself, why is there a wall in heaven? And the, To be honest, I don't know, because the text doesn't tell us. But as I thought about that, I thought of the reason that we have walls. Walls, particularly these that are over 200 feet thick, provide safety and security, don't they? So I like to think with these walls, Jesus is saying to us, you're safe here. You are secure here. There is no need to be afraid in heaven. You know, in heaven there will be no raids or rapes or robberies, no guns, no drive-by shootings, no bombs, no missiles, no wars, no terrorism, no police brutality, no abductions. In heaven, there's going to be no need for security cameras and door locks. There is no evil in heaven. And there will be no reason to ever be afraid or insecure. Heaven will be a safe place and a secure place. And then verse 14. The city wall had 12 foundations. Verse 19, the foundations of the city wall were adorned with every kind of jewel. Now again, the text does not tell us the reason for these 12 foundations, but we know from a human perspective what a foundation does. A foundation gives stability, doesn't it? And without a firm foundation, you have a structure that shifts, that moves, that collapses. You remember the recent condo collapse in Florida, right? That was because of corrosion in the structural support, the foundation. Without a firm foundation, we have lots of instability not only in a physical structure but in our lives i grew up with a lot of instability in my life my father left before i was five years old and he was never in the picture my mother has literally been in and out of my life for the entirety of my life When I was growing up, I sometimes lived with my mom. I sometimes lived with my aunt and uncle. I sometimes stayed with my grandmother. Instability characterized many, many years of my life. And what I know about instability is that it is very disorienting and disruptive. You may be in a season of instability right now. There are many things that cause instability in our lives. Job loss, financial failure, death, divorce. Hey, let's not forget a worldwide pandemic. (laughs) Our lives can be characterized by instability. But you know what? In heaven, there will be no instability or insecurity. There will be no movement, no change, no shifting, no collapsing. In heaven, there will only be stability, and it will be a place where we always feel loved and safe and secure. Heaven is a physical place that is safe, secure, and stable, and heaven is also a place that is Filled with light. Verse 22, I did not see a temple in it, in heaven, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it because the glory of God illuminates it and its lamp is the Lamb. Verse 25, its gates will never close by day because it will never be night. There. In heaven, Jesus, who called himself the light of the world, will illuminate the city. In heaven, there will be no electrical outages, no failure of a power grid. In heaven, there will be no darkness of the mind or darkness of the soul. There will be no feeling of lost or left behind or disoriented. In heaven, Jesus will shine his glory in us and on us and life will be bright and beautiful and brilliant and fulfilling and purposeful and joyful. Heaven is a prepared place, a perfect place, a physical place, and lastly, heaven is a populated place. Verse 27 Nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those written in the Lamb's book of life. Heaven is not a show place or a monument. Or a museum heaven is a home it is the home of Jesus and those whose names are written in his book of life and so what is that what is this book of life one way to say that is that the book of life is a registry kept by Jesus of everyone who has committed their life to him. The book of life is the list of everyone who has RSVP'd to Jesus' invitation to come to him. The book of life is sometimes called the list of believers or Christians' names. The book of life is your passport and my passport or ticket into heaven so i have to ask you right now do you know that your name is written in the book of life do you have assurance that your name is recorded because you have acknowledged your sin acknowledged your need for a savior and turn to Jesus for salvation. If you don't know that for sure, or you have questions about that, I would love to talk with you after this message. Because the reality, according to what Scripture tells us, is that heaven is reserved exclusively for those whose names are written in the book of life. Heaven is a prepared place, a perfect place, a physical place, and it is a populated place. And so, to summarize kind of this whole idea, I'll give you what I think is the big idea of this message. And if you're taking notes, you may want to write this down. Heaven is the believer's hope and the believer's home. Heaven is the believer's hope and the believer's home. I think Ryan does such a good job every week telling us that coming on Sunday morning and listening to a message is not about the accumulation of knowledge. It is about applying what we learn to our lives It is about life application and life transformation. So I want to give you three thoughts, three reasons why thinking about heaven is important for us. So the first reason is this, thinking about heaven is important because our life on earth is only a pit stop. Thinking about heaven is important because our life on earth is only a pit stop. The writer of Hebrews, the New Testament book, chapter 13, verse 14 says, For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. So here's the thing you and I need to think about heaven because it reminds us that no matter how powerful or prestigious or fulfilling our life is here on earth, it is only temporary. None of what we have right now lasts forever. Psalm 103 describes it this way, Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here. Your time and my time on earth, whether that's eight years or 80 years, is only a pit stop. It's just temporary. The second reason we need to think about heaven is because it gives us hope when we are weighed down by the burdens of life. Thinking about heaven is important because it gives us hope when we are weighed down by the burdens of life. Romans 8.18 says, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory He will reveal to us later. I don't have to tell you that the past two years have been tough, haven't they? (laughs) The past two years have taken its toll on us. Mentally, emotionally, we have suffered. Relationships have suffered, suffered. Finances have suffered. Hopes have suffered. Dreams have suffered. But you know what whatever you're suffering now whatever you have suffered or whatever you will suffer that is nothing compared to the glory that awaits you in heaven and i do want to say that that in no way minimizes what you are going through now what you're going through now is real (laughs) and it's hard and it's heavy and it hurts but thinking about heaven helps put our sufferings in perspective. It gives us hope when we are weighed down by the burdens of life. And then, thirdly, the third reason that it's important to think about heaven. It is important because it is where the believer's true citizenship lies. Philippians 3.20 says, But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. The day that you chose to follow Jesus, your name was written in this book of life, and you became a citizen of heaven. You're just living temporarily here. Your real home is in heaven. That's the believer's true citizenship. You know, as I've thought about this message and studied for this message, I have asked myself the question if heaven is such good news, why do we hardly ever hear about it? why do we not think about it? Why is the only time we hear a message on heaven when somebody dies? (laughs) I don't know the answer. I have several thoughts on that. I don't know the answer for sure. But what I do know is that if you are a believer, your mind should be on heaven. Heaven should be daily in your heart and on your mind because, guys, the life we're living now is not our best life. (laughs) Our best life is to come. Heaven is the believer's hope and the believer's home. And let me tell you, heaven is not going to bring disappointment or disillusionment like Plymouth Rock did to our family. (laughs) Heaven is going to be much, much, much more. Much greater, much grander, much more glorious than you can begin to imagine. And so in closing, I want to ask you three questions. The first one is this. How does the thought of heaven speak to the current pain and hardship in your life? Secondly, how do these truths about heaven give you hope? How do they comfort you? And thirdly, and maybe most importantly, How would your attitude and your outlook change if you daily meditated on the thought of the heaven that is to come? I pray that you are encouraged today as we think about the place that God is preparing for those who love him. Pray with me, please. Jesus, you are so good to us. You are good to give us a document to which we can look and learn about heaven, about the believer's hope and the believer's home. And I pray, Jesus, as we have heard about heaven today, that our hearts would be stirred toward you that our life on this earth would be put into perspective and that we would have a new and a fresh vision and excitement of our life, the life for the believer that is to come. Help us to continue to think about heaven, our home and our hope. In your name we pray. Amén.